0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Cosmic Classroom Cafe.
1: Innovative teaching for the digital age and beyond.
0: We are your hosts, Heather nunez Olmsted
1: and Michael Dobbs.
0: Carving out space to explore teaching tools, strategies, research, and more in support of student-centered learning in a rapidly evolving educational landscape.
1: Cosmic Classroom Cafe is brought to you by the Center for Teaching and Learning at the University of Maine Presque Isle.
0: Hi everybody and welcome to Cosmic Classroom Cafe, where we talk to people doing amazing things in the classroom. And I'm super excited because today we have experiential education, maverick, extraordinaire, Shannon Sleeper of University of Maine, Presque University Experience Program, as well as Director of Experiential Learning, here to talk to us about what exactly experiential education is. Shannon comes to us with a wealth of knowledge and decades of experience in teaching at both the K-12 level and at the higher education level.
1: So Shannon, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into experiential education?
0: Well,
2: experiential education is just strategies that I've used throughout my teaching, um, even before I actually knew what it was called. So the idea of active learning and student engagement has always been at the forefront of my teaching. So with this position, I've now formalized, you know, and done a lot of work around experiential education. So um, aside from that, it would just be Definitely reading professional books and learning more about the whole idea of captivating students in our classroom.
0: That is really great. And I know that recently, especially, you've been to some really, really great professional development and conferences about experiential education. Specifically, can you tell us about what you've been doing as far as adventuring lately in this realm?
2: Absolutely. I was lucky enough to attend a virtual international Association of Experiential Education conference. and. It was the first time that it was virtual and we were able to connect with people from around the globe. I had a unique experience where I met Dr. Yap and I was absolutely able to talk to him for about 30 minutes one-on-one in a gathered town. And we were had our avatars and we were just in a chat room together. So I made a beautiful connection with him. And he's a professor at the University of Singapore of Social Sciences. So really a great contact there. But also what I learned going through that virtual conference is there are so many pieces that we hear at UMPI already tap into as far as experiential education without even giving it a second thought for example like the use of Jamboards or padlets or poll everywhere all of those are experiential education go-tos and especially if you're in a virtual setting those are just another way to interact with your audience and with those you're trying to impact
1: so if you had to describe experiential education in a two-minute elevator pitch how would you start that
2: I would start the elevator pitch with learning by doing. So it's all about students being active, actively engaging, framing what we want students to know, and having those students reflect on what they actually know.
0: That is really great and accessible. Um, one thing that I always am worried about when I'm helping people onboard new pedagogies or new methods and ways to teach and reach their learners, sometimes there's some pushback, about onboarding to the newest fad is there are there any common myths about experiential education that people may believe that you don't necessarily think are true
2: i actually asked almost that exact question to one of the presenters at that virtual conference i attended earlier this month and she was just an amazing speaker and very engaging. And I said to her, you know, I'm seeing a lot of the descriptions for some of these breakout sessions as, you know, outdoor adventure, which obviously on their their own, they're a fabulous way to engage students and and test their limits. And, you know, students definitely identify with being outdoors and that idea of adventure. I said, but I, I'm a classroom teacher, so I'm not really someone who is an outdoor adventurer. And she said to me very quickly, everything I've said, you can apply inside a classroom. So I think that that's my fear is that people think that in order to do experiential education, you have to go on a trip or you have to take, you know, students outside and, and maybe be more physical, like hikes or, whitewater rafting or whatever and there's all kinds of experiential education techniques that
0: work within a classroom that is fantastic because i know that my own self when i think of experiential education and even when you look at some of the book covers have outdoorsy stuff you think well what are some ways that i can tie in a ropes course into my curriculum and it's not necessarily needed in this case. So that's an awesome clarification. Thank you.
1: So those sound like those are some good things there. Um, Have you seen any common challenges that people have had with teaching experiential education? In a specifically more like in a college classroom?
2: So I am at the very beginning of this work, but what I can see as potential challenges of experiential education in a college classroom is that all of us as educators tend to teach the way we were taught. And I remember in my college classes, my professors came in, they stood in front of my classroom, they talked, and they walked out of the class. Um, there wasn't as much engagement um, as I'm seeing in classrooms around this campus. So the idea that um, getting out of a comfort zone for professors and students um, would be the biggest challenge and, and knowing that you can try these small experiential education moves in your classroom that will make a big impact on your students and and maybe even engage students in a different way than they've ever been engaged before within a classroom setting.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that you bring that up actually about students being resistant as well, because I do think that that's part of the buy-in as well, depending upon students' educational experiences experiences in high school, they might be more resistant to trying things out of their comfort zone if they're used to lecture-based teaching. Um, The other thing that Mm -hmm. is hard to get used to too is that idea that you have to take some risks if you're going to put yourself out there in experiential education and how do we help students get to a space where they're going to feel comfortable enough to take academic risks and also some of the risks that are included with talking about personal connections or going outside of their comfort zone. So if you had one tip, if you had a tip to help um, faculty easily or early in the semester, um, build that kind of sense of safety for students, where do you think you'd go?
2: Immediately I would go to taking a responsible risk myself as a classroom instructor. So I think that it's very informative for students if they see when something doesn't quite go the way as a teacher or professor plans for it to go, that you quickly pivot and change gears and make the best of the situation at hand. So I I mean, most teachers in any classroom have had this beautiful lesson plan in their mind, and things have gone awry and haven't worked so you have to quickly just adapt and figure out how to salvage that um class so the idea that if you are continually modeling that responsible risk taking when you're learning and learning is a progress it's not you know it's, it's a progression of ideas and gathering of knowledge it's not necessarily a one and done i know this and i'm good so I think that modeling for students, the idea that you're trying something new as a professor is a really um, empowering way to encourage your own students to take risks.
1: What are some of the exciting trends you've seen or read about with experiential education?
2: So for exciting trends, I'm gonna go back to some of the technologies. I think that if we consider, um everything that technology in our classrooms offers us then we can also consider how easily it is to have students interact with each other have those quick check-ins with students that they are they are just recording whether on a padlet or a poll everywhere You're, you're taking the pulse of your class and and you're gaining insight into students sitting in front of you and what they're thinking at any given moment in your class it also allows you to adapt your teaching and meet students where they are so I think that's probably one of the most exciting trends are all those tools and um, gadgets and the technology how it supports us and I'm a firm believer that technology should make our work easier <laughs> and it should serve us as far as what we want to accomplish in our classrooms and not be that cumbersome you know entity that people just kind of don't want to engage with.
0: No, that's really great, actually, because I think that one of the things that that availability, that instant availability of formative feedback not only helps us understand where we need to drive the lesson, but also it allows students to engage their metacognitive processes and think about, oh, what do I know? what does it look like compared to what my neighbor knows and just have some of those more dynamic classroom conversations. So I think that that's an awesome point. Um, so I know that you've been reading a ton too, because we have a book club that we're about to kick off. So what are your top three reads that you can share with us and why are they so amazing?
2: So my first pick is Dr. J. Roberts' book, Experiential Education in the College Context, because this book will help us implement experiential education within our classes, um, and hopefully throughout our student journey. Other favorite book I have is Created Wicked Students, Designing Courses for a Complex World. Um, this book by Paul Hanstead is just phenomenal read, especially when we're thinking about how we can improve our courses and in between semesters, obviously you don't have to read it cover to cover, but you can, um, Definitely grab out some chapters to help you just improve your courses if you're looking for a change or you want to try something new. Also framing it around a wicked problem is a great idea for the, and this book kind of delves into that some more. Um, The third book I would pick would be Crucial Conversations. And that book is just about how we have those tough discussions in our classes and, and when we are considering, you know, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and just engaging students in some challenging discussions and conversations about the world around us. I think that that would give most people the tools that they would need to feel comfortable, you know, entering into those conversations.
1: Great, thank you. So do you have any tips or hacks to help those who want to tiptoe into experiential education? activities on any low-hanging strategies or practices?
2: So I think some low-hanging fruit would definitely be um, active learning, making sure your students are interacting with you in class and with each other in class, whether that be through technology or those quick turn-and-talks, all of those things in engaging classrooms. Also project-based learning, where you start um, maybe some collaborative work on a specific topic in within your content area would be a great way to do some experiential education that way having um, community members or panelists come into your classrooms and then having students reflect about that and that experience and what maybe it can connect to their lives or that you know have a panel connects to your course content itself and their future learning that those would be quick easy ways to start thinking through the lens of experiential education.
0: All right, so now we're gonna grab our crystal balls and we're gonna peer into the future. It's the future right now and you have your way with experiential education. It's deployed across the disciplines. What does that look like? So,
2: if we had our magic ball and we were thinking about experiential education it would be so blatantly obvious and so transparent to students of the value of their experiences in our classes so that they know that every class they take they're garnering those skills that they need to be successful no matter what their major is in the jobs that they will hold someday and in their positions within our community so you know, in essence, this whole idea of experiential education is preparing students for their futures and their future careers and to be responsible, productive citizens. So that's how I would see it if I could have a magic ball.
1: You talked about Jay Roberts' book, um, The Experiential Education in the College Context, and you've been working quite a bit with, with him from what I know. Um, how's that process been?
2: Jay Roberts has been wonderful and he's agreed to continue working with us, so I'm looking forward to our future meetings with him as far as even in January for some professional development. He is looking at how we can infuse experiential education throughout our disciplines across our curriculum and also how to navigate the idea of the change. So, when we are looking at year three in our Title III grant, we're also looking at the NACE competencies. So, how do the NACE competencies work with experiential education? So, he's going to help us, you know, kind of wrap our minds around that work to see where we can take the NACE competencies and experiential education for our students to help them be even more marketable and employable beyond our, their years here at Umpy. so paying attention to what employers want from our students and the goals that our students themselves have.
0: That is great, and I know that I myself cannot wait to learn how some of these really crosswalk and interact with each other, because again, I think the emphasis is going to be on how they layer and weave together as opposed to just stack on top of each other like the world's most unwieldy stack of pancakes, we want them to be integrated. Do you have any one final piece of advice for those who are curious, but they might be cautious?
2: So curiosity is the key to learning, and I think that that's the best place to start from. So. If you are curious and cautious and just want to um dabble, I think the best way to do it is to not overwhelm yourself and to just start with smaller projects or smaller techniques in your class and see how they they work. And that way, you know, you would build confidence that way as far as, you know, just trying new things and learning ways to engage your students. One thing that I'm just looking at on Paul Hansett's book, Creating Wicked Students, and he has it's like four things on the, in his conclusion. One is don't overwhelm yourself. The other one is adapt teaching techniques to your own style. Remember your own style. Um, it's not going to look the same in every classroom, nor would we ever want it to, right? You want to make sure that you're taking a few risks and that you know that Some things may not go as planned. So you want to tinker with what happens. So it's all about that reflection, just like what our students will do. Try a few things and see how they work and then reassess and try again. And hopefully, you know, some of it will become so embedded in your classes that it'll just become automatic.
1: So I want to thank you for for being here today. And on a personal note, you're at a cafe. What's your favorite fall beverage or recipe that you can share with us?
2: So my favorite fall beverage, winter beverage would definitely be hot cocoa. And my favorite recipe would have to be a caramel bread pudding. Um, It's my daughter's favorite, and I'd love to make that one. So that would be, that's kind of a more fallish recipe dessert. So if anyone wants the recipe, just let me know. I'll share it.
0: Well, thank you so much, Shannon. I know this is going to be an ongoing conversation. Thank you for sharing not only your thoughts on experiential education and how we can either tiptoe or dive in ourselves, but also your recommendations for awesome eating. Because here at the Cosmic Classroom Cafe, we live to eat and eat to live. And we're very grateful for your presence. Thanks. Until next time.